Welcome in to another episode of the Bet the Nerds Fantasy Show. What a week of football. Finally, we're in the season. Week one over. We're going to have a lot of stuff on this show. We're definitely going to react and overreact to what happened because there were so many things that went right for teams and went wrong for other teams. We have news, and then we have two of our favorite segments on the show, the flops and the bops for the good players and the bad players, and the cops and the drops for your waiver wire, for your waiver wire magic. Um, and then we're going to get to some DFS if we have some time, but I don't know about that. Um, let's get right into the news. Alvin Kamara extension, Dalvin Cook extension. We don't really have to spend much time, but Kamara got paid like what he thought he was going to get paid. I'm happy for him. I don't really know how the Saints pulled that money out of their ass, but he got his money. Um, anything you want to say about those two guys? Yeah, it's definitely exciting. For Kamara, I was expecting a little more involvement in week one after his extension. He didn't have too many touches, but it was it was good to see that he got involvement, especially in the red zone. I think he scored two touchdowns, so that was good. I expect more from the future, though, yeah. from Alvin Kamara. It was like, from a output, like a yardage standpoint, a little bit disappointing, but the touchdowns got fantasy owners there, so they're happy. Yeah, and then Dalvin Cook was as good as you thought he would be. Like, he wasn't amazing, but he was your first-round pick. He, get, he did what he needed yeah, to do. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a tough game script because the Packers had time of possession of, like, 41 minutes to the Vikings, like, 19. Ooh. Not good for running back. Running backs, you want to have the ball as long as possible, grind that clock. Yeah. So just not the, not the best situation, but owners shouldn't be too concerned all right and then marlon mack tore his achilles in the second quarter of the game this was just devastating to see because mack looked really good he got the first catch of the game he had another 23 yard catch later on and frank reich talked him up he started the game he was doing well but so mack season is done but let's look at the glass half full and jonathan taylor right away frank reich says he's our starting running back so Jonathan Taylor should be in your lineup going forward. Great matchup against the Minnesota Vikings next week. You love Jonathan Taylor. Let's talk about it for a second. Yeah, obviously, I've been hammering the point that he's just an amazing player. Clearly, this isn't the way I wanted him to take the job. I wanted him to get it outright. I didn't want any injury to Marlon Mack, obviously. But this does accelerate the timeline that I had projected for him. And now he's a weekly RB1, in my opinion. He's just going to get so many touches. He should get the red zone touches, although... Naheem Hines got some touches in the red zone this week, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, we'll talk about but we'll talk about Taylor, Hines later. I expect Taylor to get them going forward, especially near the goal line. So he has a ton of upside going forward. And also in the past game, he was involved. Like well, his catches. first touch of his NFL career was a forty-five yard reception. So and then he proceeded to have in the six catches. Game. Yeah, so that was that was definitely exciting to see all those receptions. I mean, we before. talked about how Rivers utilizes the running back on first and second down. He can't throw the ball more than ten yards. That's why Paris Campbell <laughs> had some involvement too. Um... Let's move on. Blake Jarwin, torn ACL, another devastating injury. Just, And you saw how many times Prescott targeted Dalton Schultz and how many times he dropped the ball. I had uh, Jarwin on one of my teams, and it was just so aggravating to see him. You knew it was an ACL right away, the way that he went down. And then Dalton Schultz proceeds to get like five more targets, and you're just like, damn, that would go to Jarwin. They like set up a screen for Dalton Schultz. Anyways, there's not much to talk about here where you just have to look. If you have Jarwin, you have to look to add a tight end. Yeah, and there aren't too many good options on the waiver wire except for like maybe Dallas Goddard, and we'll get to him. Um, okay, George Kittle injured his ankle. I think on a Buddha Baker ta- or he was blocking Baker, or he was risk- catching a pass. I can't really remember. But Baker hurt his ankle, and he I think he tried to come back, but he ended up not being able to. I think he I mean he dealt with injury last year and had to miss a few games. 
I think that if you have Kittle, you should also add a tight end just in case he misses because he's missed games like this before. Yeah, and there's a lot of good tight ends, more than 12 in my opinion. So look look for a team that has like maybe a good backup tight end and maybe trade for one of those guys. For me, a lot of my leagues, I was getting multiple tight ends before the season, knowing that if a couple of them broke out, I would have good uh, trade bait, I guess you can call it. And this year, I have Waller, who I started this week, and then I have Hunter Henry in a lot of leagues, and I have also TJ Hawkinson. So like just those three guys, mix and matched yeah. throughout my and league. And then you can trade and one when one starts popping off. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, like if you look at a guy like, I don't know, like Chris Herndon or I don't know, Jonu Smith, they have a higher chance of like breaking out and like having a good season than someone that's like a third string running back on the Steelers, like Anthony McFarland. Who was an so, Exactly. So like I, in the later rounds of drafts, I was drafting a ton of like flyer tight ends that like if a t- like a couple of them paid off, then I can trade them. It's like actually value. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right. Michael Thomas high ankle sprain had an awful game, and I mean the game wasn't because of his ankle sprain. He ankle he sprained his ankle on one of the last plays of the game when they had third and goal. Um, and it was on. It was while he was blocking, and one of the offensive linemen rolled up on his ankle. He says he's going to play through it. He has the Monday night game against the Raiders next week. You have to have a backup option like Henry Ruggs or Emmanuel Sanders if he doesn't play, and move him into your flex so you can be like smart about who you can put in. You might want to put in running back. Maybe Latavius Murray is your last option. It's not a great situation. Thomas, like for Thomas owners, don't tilt though. Don't make some dumb trade. Just hold on. He will be great. Let's just get through this injury really quickly. Yeah, it's definitely annoying for Thomas owners. He says he's going to play through it. I fully expect him to. All reports that I've seen have suggested it's a mild injury, which is great because usually high ankle sprains, high ankle injuries in general, very dangerous, have often a lot of like re-injury risk. So the fact that it's mild is definitely promising for Michael Thomas owner. And then let's get through these last three in, or four injuries pretty quickly. Bell hurt his hamstring, t- tried to come back. I think he's set to fi- miss a few weeks, but I would just avoid the Jets' backfield altogether. Um, yeah. Devontae Parker had a hamstring injury, um, and he was questionable before the game. I think this is just going to be a lingering issue with Parker for the rest of the season, and you might want to trade out of it if you can. Um, Philip yeah. Lindsay left the game with a foot injury and did not return. And Lindsay looked like he was the starting running back. He was getting all the first and second down work ahead of Melvin Gordon and then ended up getting hurt and Gordon took over. I don't know if you saw that in that game. Yeah, it was kind of a 50-50 until Lindsay got hurt and then Gordon started to look really good. Yeah. I expected Gordon to have more involvement in the passing game than he did. Like he had three catches for like nine yards. Is like eight yards. And he fumbled on the screen pass. So that was that was annoying, yeah. but if Lindsey misses any time, Gordon definitely gets a bump. Okay, James Conner left the game with an ankle injury. It took James Conner 20 minutes to get hurt in the season. What a surprise. Uh, but Tomlin expects him to make a timely return. We're just so used to these injuries. We're going to talk about Benny Snell later, but I think this might... Like, we've never seen the Steelers' running game become, like, a committee. This might. Jalen Samuels was getting all the third down work when Connor went out. We know Connor's three down workhorse back, but they might have to limit his opportunities with the injury history. Yeah, like I have Connor in a couple leagues, and my logic was like, when he's healthy, he's gonna be great. I expected to get more than like ten minutes out of him, so it's definitely definitely frustrating to not have Connor. Yeah. Uh, going forward, hopefully he gets healthy because when he's on the field, like I've said. 
throughout a lot of podcast episodes. He's like an RB1. Yeah. All right. On to our next segment. Some overreaction time. Let's tilt. Um, just really quickly with fantasy. In my two main leagues, I won by .7 and one and lost by .7 and the other. In the one that I lost in, Michael Gallup, I needed <laughs> 8.7 points from him. And I was tilting already, and with 20 seconds left, I throw the deep pass to Gallup, and he pushes off, right? Because he pushed off of Ramsey. And they call the pass interference after he catches it, and I lose my matchup by 0.7 points. But then the next night, I had Connor and the Pittsburgh defense. Pittsburgh had a great game on defense. Connor goes out early. I'm up 13. He has A.J. Brown and the Tennessee defense. A.J. Brown goose through the first half and then had, like, four targets on their last drive. Ended up not getting any, and then Kevin Byer drops a pick, and I win by .7. What a crazy night it was. I was just shaking the whole time. Um, any fantasy stories for you this week? For me, it was like one league was just fantastic where everyone just went off. Roethlisberger had a good game. I had Clyde on Thursday. Uh, I had Devontae Adams and Calvin Ridley on that team. Jonathan Taylor's on that team, too. I was, like, excited by that. TJ Hawkinson had a good game. Damn. It was just, like... Everyone was great on that team. And then for my other league, I had Michael Thomas, like 3.7 fantasy points. James Conner, 2.7 fantasy oh. points. I also had Calvin Ridley, and I was able to keep it close, but I needed 20 points from Conner on Monday to, to get the job done. Yeah. Did not happen. Yeah, and so. then you want to talk about real football real quick, the Arizona Cardinals and the Washington football team. How do we feel about them? Definitely exciting. I was very high on them going into the season. Uh, I'm in a confidence pool, and I picked both of them to win today or yes, Sunday. <laughs> losing time, losing track of time now. Uh, wasn't too confident though, but it happened. Uh, Cardinals kind of pulled out the last second. Definitely a, kind of a 50-50 toss-up game. But Washington, especially defensively, just kind of dominated that Eagles offensive line to the surprise of many. Yeah. Maybe th- th- it, like they looked like the strongest think, team in this division this week. Right, yeah. like everyone else lost except for them. So, for their season long over under win total of five point five, right now it's looking like a pretty nice over. Yeah, for sure. All right, um, let's get in to the flops and the bops. I love this segment name. I love this segment. But the one thing I will say is sometimes it's not a bad thing to sh- to not show up in this segment. You know, even though you want to be a bop, a guy like Robert Woods is going to be great and probably never show up in this segment because he's never going to flop or bop. So. Let's get into the bops, okay? Let Russ cook. 322 and 4. No picks. 31 for 35. Crazy. And I think Metcalf dropped one. What a game for Russell Wilson. You were happy about that. I don't think there's much to say. Aaron Rodgers, 364 and 4. Targeted every one of his receivers a lot. He was going around the field. Valis Scantling, Lazard, Devontae Adams, 14 catches for 156 yards. It was a great day for the Packers with that terrible Vikings uh, secondary. Anything you want to say about him? Yeah, this could be this could be the fu season <laughs> for Aaron Rodgers, where he's like, "Screw you to everyone! I'm gonna throw for like 400 yards, 300 yards every single game. Just let it fly. I don't care about anything, anyone. Yeah. I'm gonna show that I'm the best player in the league, which he thinks he is, obviously. And hey." Look good week yeah. one. Josh Allen, 312 yards and two touchdowns through 46 passes. Josh Allen threw 46 passes, 14 for 57 and a touchdown on the ground. He also fumbled twice, which wasn't great to see. Um, this is probably the easiest matchup he's going to have all year. They have a tough schedule in the back half of the season. But definitely, I might even cash in on Josh Allen while you can. I think Miami has a better defense than most people 
expect, and Josh Allen could definitely have a disappointing week two after a great week one. This was like just a bizarre game, in, like for Josh Allen, because they're up by like twenty one early. Yet it's like a positive game script for the running backs, and Josh Allen's still throwing it almost every single play. Like, I mean, Zach Moss was nine for eleven, and Devin Singletary right. was ten for thirty. I don't think you want to run the ball to those guys. So are doing that. So it's it's interesting if we if like whether this is going to be a trend or an outlier. Yeah. Where if the Bills are up by twenty one against the Dolphins next week, are they going to run the ball or are they going to keep throwing it? So I expect it to be a little more run heavy in the future. But for this game, when Josh Allen does 46 passes, because of his rushing floor, anytime he does that, he's going to be like a top three option yeah. every single week. Cam Newton, 155 yards, 15 for 75 and two on the ground. 15 carries. This whole Patriots offense is a completely new look. I had Cam in a few leagues. I really like it. I like it going forward against Seattle next week. Um, I think you can ride Cam until it stops because that rushing floor is amazing. Yeah, this is kind of what we said throughout the offseason was, Cam, because of his rushing upside and rushing floor, both combined, he's a guy you can start in almost any matchup, but then you also don't want to play any other Patriots offensive players. Yeah. And that's kind of what you saw in week one. No other options besides Cam really stood out for the offense, but Cam himself was pretty awesome. Josh Jacobs, 25 for 93 and three touchdowns. Then he also had four catches, which was really nice to see. We, were, we didn't know how the catch um, percentage would go there, but he was the entire Raiders offense. Like, I looked at the they, – they scored 34 points. I looked at the box score after. I was like, who caught the ball? Aguilar had one catch. Ruggs had, like, two catches and got hurt. Brian Edwards had one catch. It was all Josh Jacobs. Yeah, he was awesome for them. Be careful. Like, don't expect three touchdowns every single week from Josh Jacobs because he's not going to get many easier matchups in that Carolina Panthers run, run defense. Yeah. But, like, next week against the Saints – could be a much different story for Josh Jacobs. So don't get too high when he has these kinds of games. Don't get too low if he like gets a game with like 19 carries for 60 yards and no touchdowns. Yeah. Like understand that he's going to have his ebbs and flows, but he's got this kind of upside. He's just he's a great runner. His offensive line is great. And when the Raiders are in a positive game script and he's getting carries, Watch out, he can be one of the best RBs in any week. Yeah, Naheem Hines, 7 for 28 on the ground and one touchdown. Eight catches for 45 yards and one touchdown. I talked about this earlier in the um, offseason, how Frank Reich was going to target Naheem Hines. Phillip Rivers loves throwing to the running backs. You can start Naheem Hines with confidence every time they have a good matchup. And next week against Minnesota, Naheem Hines should be in your starting lineup, in my opinion. Yeah, he looked great. I'm not sure he's going to get the red zone work again. That, that was well his like two touchdowns he had a 15 yard rush that wasn't really it wasn't the red zone but it wasn't like goal line and then he had yeah. like a 22 yard like screen pass so i don't know if it was goal line per se but definitely was it wasn't goal line he's not going to get yeah. goal line but like he's he's getting involvement and he has like he has the ability to make those kinds of plays yeah so it's not like he's not going to get touchdowns. Yeah, and he'll be in our two touchdowns. He'll be in our cop segment, yeah. but like we don't even not need to talk. If he's on your waiver wire, he should be your first waiver priority for sure. Um, same yeah. with the next Malcolm guy, Brown. Malcolm Brown, eighteen yeah. for seventy nine and two. We knew this was going to be murky, but there's a clear leader. Malcolm Brown looked like the most talented back, and he should be on your team as well. Um, Raheem Mostert, fifteen for fifty six. Four, this was all on like one play four for 91 and God. one i had him on one of my teams i was going crazy on that 75 yard touchdown 
Um, it was something nice to see for Mostert, who had like 16 targets last year and was not a receiving back at all. But I don't think we should be expecting this. Tevin Coleman was limited. Jarek McKinnon looked like he was in on every third down. So I think that if you, like, Mostert's going to need to make his pay on first and second down if you want to be happy. And it might be splitting work with Tevin Coleman. I think you should try to cash yeah. in on this output for Mostert. Yeah, this is definitely probably towards the higher end of his production. Yeah. All right, on to receivers. Devontae Adams, just just cashing in on your first-round pick. 14 for 156 and 2. This is what you wanted to see. I don't think he's going to get this much going forward, but he's always in line for a touchdown, and he's just a great possession receiver too. So you should be very happy with Devontae Adams. Um, we're going to go into a proud father segment real quick. <laughs> we were ready for the breakouts. Calvin Ridley... Nine for one thirty and two. Let the lights go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Calvin Ridley bop. Um, I'm we're both very happy with Calvin Ridley and like the Atlanta defense might be the worst in the league and they're just gonna have to be throwing to um keep up in these games. So Calvin Ridley is gonna continue to do this. We were on him. I hope you guys listened to us and drafted him too. And he gets Dallas next week. Yeah, and let's continue on the proud father moment with Darius Slayton, my guy. Six for 102 and two against a great Steelers defense. I don't know if we can, like, consistently rely on this. I did not expect this. I expected him to start breaking out middle of the year when their schedule gets easier. They have Chicago, which isn't tough. Like, I think you can play Slayton if you need to against Chicago. They have San Francisco, Rams. So not the easiest matchup through the next few weeks. But definitely, I think you can either cash in on this Slayton and trade him away or just hold him on your bench. He'll be great this whole year, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely excited. Um, Adam Thielen, 6 for 110 and 2. Uh, it was, this was basically just they needed to come back. I think Thielen actually might have a good year. He's the only target there. Um, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, 14 for 151. He had 29 points in, in PPR without a touchdown. It, he looks like a resurgence of Larry Fitzgerald on the Cardinals, and it's really fun to watch. Robbie Anderson, 6 for 115. I think we should, and a touchdown. I think we should talk about Anderson real quick. If he's on your waiver wire, I would submit a claim for him. Um, we talked about DJ Moore a lot. Didn't have a great game. I wouldn't overreact to that at all. But Anderson was yeah. on the field a lot, and he might be the number two receiver on this team. And they're going to be in a lot of game scripts where they have to pass. Do you, do you like Anderson at all? Well, we saw reports through training camp that Bridgewater had a great connection with Robbie Anderson, I mentioned that on one of our recent podcasts was like, like what if I'm wrong about DJ Moore? I don't know, but I I trust the talent DJ Moore. I think he's still great, but especially in like a best ball format, which is like you don't need to start like it just plays the best guys you have. He has enormous weekly upside yeah. because he can just take any carry to the house. I was or every reception or carry. <laughs> I was worried about uh, Robbie Anderson just because Bridgewater is not known as like a deep ball thrower, yeah. but that didn't really manifest in week one. Bridgewater was accurate down the yeah. field. He was accurate in short range. I think this Carolina offense has a lot more potential than a lot of people, a lot of people give it credit for. Okay, and then two more. Dallas Goddard, we'll talk about him a little later. Eight for 101 and a touchdown. Philly needed options, and he was one of them, definitely. Mark Andrews, five for 58 and two. Lamar Jackson keeps on throwing that touchdown percentage. It just stays as high as... We never thought it could, and Mark Andrews with a crazy one-handed snag in the back of the end zone on a dart from Jackson. Um, Mark Andrews paying off on that draft capital right away. Is there anything else you want to say about these bops? Well, the thing on Mark Andrews is, like, yes, the two touchdowns, exciting, but the fact they only had five, five, 
5458. That's a tongue twister. In a really plus matchup against the Cleveland Browns' poor linebackers. Like, in games where he doesn't score touchdowns, he's going to be a liability to your team. Now, being in this offense, he's going to get touchdowns. That's like, that's a given. But just understand that this isn't going to be every single week. And ride the highs and withstand the lows, I guess, is what the thing with Mark Andrews. All right, so on to the flops. Let's just go through these pretty quickly. Jared Barf um, <laughs> didn't throw a touchdown. Drew Brees wasn't terrible, but didn't help you out much. Keenan Allen, we talked about how Keenan Allen's volume was going to be down this year and his like high-value targets just because he's not going to run many deep routes. He has to be there for Tyrod Taylor. Michael Thomas with three for 17. Don't tilt on this. Cooper Cup, who was going to be my my guy, or not my my guy, but my start of the week, it seemed like he was open every play and Goff just wouldn't throw him the ball. Like, I get, or he just, I mean, I mean, Woods had a decent amount of catches, but Woods only had two more catches than Cup. He just broke one for like 25 yards and ended with like 100 yards. But Cup looked like he was getting open and Goff just didn't seem to throw the ball to him. I don't know. Um, that whole game was kind of weird. It was like, there were like yeah. 10 points scored in the second half. Um, Joe Mixon fumbled. Chargers actually looked really good on defense. I watched that whole game because I'm a Chargers fan, and they looked really good, even without Derwin James. Um, again, this was not against the best offense in the league, but Mixon just did not. Like, 16 for 69 on the ground, not great. Um, Struggled, yeah. Nick Chubb, awful. Just awful. I think you, like, if you don't, if you want to trade for Nick Chubb, I think that people are selling low right now, scared off by the Cream Hunt split. They have a good matchup against the Bengals, and you might want to do it now before later, because if he goes off against the Bengals, then the person who has him can trade him high. I'm scared off by Nick Chubb. I, sh- I yeah. shared my concerns. I think it could be a complete committee there. And also, this just, again, the Browns are just not a good team. Like, we see this every year. We saw last year once Cream Hunt came back from his suspension, Nick Chubb went to, like, a back end RB2. Yeah. Like, like that's kind of what he is. And when he doesn't score touchdowns in a game like this, he's going to cost you yeah. big time. So I am I think our concerns throughout the offseason on Chubb were justified, but he does make for an interesting by low Yeah. Candidate. All right, Mark Ingram, you want to talk to that real quick because you had a lot of concerns about him. Yeah, it's just like I was basically waiting for Dobbins to take his job. And the reason a lot of people drafted Mark Ingram was like, okay, I'm going to get at least, like, six weeks where Dobbins isn't the starter. But from day one, Dobbins is already involved. It's almost like a 50-50 at this point. Like, Ingram had, like, nine carries. Dobbins had, like, seven out of the RBK. I mean, neither of them are very efficient. Dobbins got the touchdowns, though. Yeah, Dobbins got two touchdowns. Like, I'm still not starting either one, but the season-long upside of Dobbins is a lot higher because at at some point he's going to overtake Ingram. He's going to become the lead back. And he's going to have tremendous value. All right. Odell Beckham Jr. had two catches for 22 yards. was, like, targeted 10 times. Um, I, I'm i off Baker Mayfield. I'm done. I can't stand it anymore. Yep. Can't. I was off Odell. I had him, like, ranked out of my top 20 receivers, and this is exactly why. A.J. Brown, he kind of put it together at the end. He had, like, four for, like, 38, 38 which is, you know what? It's not good. Um, and he didn't have a catch the first quarter our first half, we talked about our concerns with A.J. Brown and how this is just going to be such a run-heavy offense and how Ryan Tannehill's not going to be as efficient. Efficient. This was a tough matchup, but A.J. Brown wasn't getting A.J. Bowie. A.J. Bowie was on Corey Davis, and he played well, but A.J. Brown just did not look 
he wasn't getting targeted much. Like, Joni Smith looked like he could be a high-target guy on this team. I'm scared about A.J. Brown, for sure. Yeah, my concern with A.J. Brown was always, like, he's talented, but a lot of his catches last year were off, like, play action, those deep passes. And when the run game isn't going, because Derrick Henry, he had, like, 119 rush yards, something like that, but it was, like, on 31 carries. Yeah. So it was, like, 3.7 yards per carry. Denver didn't really have to commit that much to stop the run, and for that reason, the play action wasn't that dominant. And in a game that ended up being like sixteen fourteen, yeah, I mean, obviously it would have been better if Guskowski had made all those field goals. But like in a low scoring game, like AJ Brown has a very low weekly floor, yeah. and that's as dangerous for someone that was going in highs or as high in drafts as he was. Yeah, he was going in like the back of the second in some drafts that I saw. Um, just one note, can we talk about Aaron Donald just completely mashing those two Cowboys linemen on that one play at the end of the game? That was insane. That dude just never ceases to amaze. Yeah, all right, let's go on to the drop. So on to the cops and the drops. Drop it like it's hot. Let's start with the Dolphins running backs. I'm off all of them. Just, they shouldn't be on your team. Jordan Howard, eight for seven in a touchdown. Um... Also, Burrito was outsnapped by Miles Gaskin. Uh, Miles Gaskin. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> like, th- like, just get rid of all. Um, of them. drop Please. Goff. There's so many better quarterback options on the waiver wire, like Teddy Bridgewater, Bridgewater. Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. Actually, Tyrod Taylor wasn't great, but even he's better than Goff. Uh, Nikhil mm-hmm. Harry. I think you can probably drop him he almost had a touchdown and i think he's done that before he's definitely done it before where he's fumbled the ball into the end zone for a touchback but i think you can drop him mark ingram are we dropping mark ingram i don't know if you drop him just because like if dobbins gets hurt or something like that ingram has a lot of upside like if you draft him you kind of you can't afford to drop him at this point so i think you reluctantly hold on to him but as the season keeps going, it's going to be more and more likely that he's a droppable All guy. right. Odell? You're not dropping him. Okay. Just trying to test you there. <laughs> Christian Kirk, I think you can drop Christian Kirk. It seems like this is pretty consolidated target share between DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake. Um, Tyler Boyd. What do you, How do you feel about Tyler Boyd? It was a really tough matchup. I think Chris Harris was in the slot guarding Boyd a lot in that game. So definitely not a, not a good matchup. I would I would wait. I wouldn't drop him. Okay. I don't think you need to drop him. I, I feel like this week there aren't as many high priority waiver targets to get. So when I'm looking at the guys, except for like maybe the top couple like Hines and Brown, there really isn't anyone that is worth taking over Tyler. Yeah, Boyd. a lot of the wide receivers are stash and wait. Like they all, a lot of them had really good games, but I don't know if you can cer- like certainly trust them next week, especially just after draft season. You're probably tra- trusting the guys that you just drafted. Um, yeah, I'd pump the brakes a little bit. All right, cops. Uh, Malcolm Brown. Uh, we talked about him in the like Bob section, but he should be like him or Hines is your first waiver wire, in my opinion. If you need a running back, Browns will be great. Brown will be great. He gets. Uh, who do the Rams play next week? Eagles. Eagles. Like they have a decent run defense, but I think it that is. Malcolm Brown is going to get twenty carries and you'll be happy with what you get from him. Like he just looks like he gets six yards every freaking carry, and he falls forward. He was owned in 8% of ESPN leagues going into this week. He should be owned in 100%. I, I feel like, like we should have seen this coming. Like, he was the incumbent here, and McVay's like the type of guy who would go with the incumbent. But it, I, How do we not see Malcolm Brown as more of a... 
threat. For me, the reason was is last year when I saw him play, he just didn't seem very explosive, and I didn't really get excited watching him play. But he looks like just a better player this year. He looks more shifty. He looks more powerful. Like, this is just a new Malcolm Brown that I've not seen before, and it's definitely a pleasant surprise. Yeah, also had three catches, so he was definitely getting worked into the passing game. We talked about Naheem Hines. He should be, he like, he's probably not available in your league, but if he is, definitely try and add him. Dallas Goddard. Um, I think Dallas Goddard, if you need a tight end, should be the number one add because the offensive line woes with the Eagles right now with all their injuries, he's going to need to be on the field every single play to help out with blocking, and then he's going to be on the field when they're in passing downs too. So you can rely on that snap count, and they also have so many injuries outside. Like, they're just injury-riddled, and Dallas Goddard, by default, has become one of their best options. This might be the first time since uh, Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez that one team has two, like, top 10 weekly tight ends with Goddard and Ertz. I think both those guys are probably locked in weekly starters from what I saw last week. All right, and then Russell Gage. We talked about all the, like, target share in Atlanta and how many open targets there were. We saw where it went. I mean, I don't know if we can completely say that, like, Hurst isn't going to get the targets. He had the Jamal Adams matchup. But Russell Gage had 10 targets, had 9 catches. It was a great day for Gage, for Ridley, for Jones. Like, I think you can start Gage in a pinch. They have a good matchup against Dallas, who doesn't really guard um, slot receivers at all. But, like, I would more stash Gage if you have, like, a McCole Hardman on your team or, like, uh, someone you can drop, like Daryl Williams. I don't know. Like, I wouldn't start Gage right away. I don't think you have to. Yeah. It was weird because, like, it's exciting that he got, like, 10 targets or whatever he got. But Matt Ryan threw 54 passes. So, and while we were excited the Falcons were going to have, like, the highest passing volume of any team in the league... You can't really expect 54 passes on a weekly basis. Yeah. And you gotta, and you got to assume that probably a few more are going to Hurst. And I think Jones and Ridley have their target shares pretty much locked in. So this seems like more of a ceiling game for Gage yeah. than, than like kind of a precursor to something better. So I don't, I don't really prioritize adding him. But in the event of an injury to either Jones or Ridley... Gage becomes a very interesting option. All right. Um, Packers second receiver. Alan Lazard is on a few of my teams, and I think he will stay on those teams for sure. Um, had a yeah. great week. Marquez Valdez-Scantling also had a great week. I mean, this was just the Packers taking advantage of a very bad Minnesota defense. I think they play Detroit next week, and if Okuda's back, it's not going to be as easy for them um, as it was for the Bears. But, like, can you start Lazard yet? If you need to, you can. I personally would probably hold off until I see a little bit more. A lot of fantasy owners are going to have the choice between adding Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling this year. I, In my column on BTN that I posted today, I made the argument that Lazard should be the priority over Marquez just because when when MVS gets these like touchdowns, it's usually like a 65-yard bomb from Rodgers. And, like, when he doesn't get those 65-yard bombs, he can have some big-time and dead yeah. weeks. So, like, he just he's someone that's going to give me headaches all year long if I have him on my teams. You're going to feel bad when you don't start him. You're going to feel bad when you do start him if he doesn't perform. It's kind of like a Will Fuller, but, like, just not as good, I guess. So, I, I don't like adding MVS. Lazard, he's 6'5", with a massive frame, gets red zone work. Rodgers so loves him. I 
so I think he's gonna have a much much more consistent production maybe lower ceiling weeks than MVS but someone I feel more comfortable starting in a pinch like in the flex or something like that okay I want to quickly apologize to Matt Patricia because Adrian Peterson is somehow the best running back on the Detroit Lions 14 or 15 carries and had some receiving game work I don't know how 33 year old Adrian Peterson looks better than DeAndre Swift and carry on Johnson can we talk about the Lions game really quickly um I know you were a Lions truther tilted they gave up seventeen point lead in this in the uh, fourth quarter, and and then came back and came back and then Swift dropped a wide open yeah. pass to win the game and it didn't even seem like there was anyone within ten yards of him, like he was like preparing to get hit or run up field, and he's in the middle of he the end zone. He's turning up field when he's in the end zone. Just yeah. fall down, idiot! I just yeah I'm yeah mad. But can we get some Trubisky love? No. Trubisky probably should have been on this cop section. He was absolute trash for three quarters. I don't. He has a good matchup against the Giants next week. I'll give him that, but I, I'm never gonna like feel good about starting him. All right. Well, I thought I could convince you there. Um, Josh Kelly. uh, I mean, I talked a little bit about Josh Kelly. Probably not enough. Twelve carries for sixty yards, and he got the red zone work. Don't tell on Austin Eckler, though, because he still had 19 carries for 94 yards. And this wasn't like this was a game where they were trying to run the ball, run the clock out, let their really good defense stop the Bengals. When they're playing the Chiefs next week, Eckler will have like 10 targets because they need to have he needs to have 10 targets. Like, um, so unfortunately for Eckler, Mike Williams somehow played in this game, so he didn't line up um outside as we as much as we thought he would. But like, I wouldn't be worried. I think he'll get like 10 targets against the Chiefs. Josh Kelly is someone that you should keep an eye on because. The Chargers ran the ball like 30 times. And in, when they're in these games, they have some teams in their division where they want to be in game scripts like this, like maybe against the Raiders. They're going to play with their defense, run the ball. Josh Kelly's not a bad option to have. He's a very tough runner, and he's going to be like a Malcolm Brown type where he's going to get you four to five yards and get the red zone work. Anthony Miller, uh, four catches for 76 yards and caught the Trubisky dot. I think that you can like wait on Miller. It's kind of like a Russell Gage situation. And last one I want to talk about is Paris Campbell. Like, we talked about T.Y. Hilton, and we thought he was going to be the one, but maybe Campbell's the one just because Rivers likes to throw it short. All right. Thank you guys for watching. I really hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you on Thursday for the game previews.